0: Hello oh, everybody and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book Betsy Timboom, Promise of God by Mike Evans with permission of Time Worthy Books and we are in Chapter 9. A few days later, Hannah appeared in the shop unannounced. She glanced in Papa's direction as she came through the door but quickly looked over at me. Can we talk? Certainly. I closed the ledger and ushered her out to the sidewalk where Papa and Lewis couldn't hear us. What's the matter, I asked, when we were alone. After I saw you the other day, I tried to talk to Father again, but he wouldn't listen. He insists there's nothing he can do and that I have no choice but to marry Tobias. She was on the verge of tears. Are you going to do that? No, she shook her head vigorously from side to side. I can't. I just can't do it. She was crying by then, and it occurred to me that she might be in physical danger. So I asked, has he hurt you? "'Who?' she looked at me with a puzzled expression. "'Father?' "'No. Tobias.' "'No,' Hannah looked stricken. "'He hasn't touched me. "'Not even so much as to hold my hand or kiss my cheek.' "'She looked at me in the eye. "'I will not let that happen. "'I'll run away and live in the woods "'before I allow that man to put his hands on me.' "'I searched my mind for the proper response, "'but all I could think of was her father "'and how angry he would be if he knew she and I were talking.' does your father know you're here no one does they would be livid if they knew i was talking to anyone about this especially to someone who's not a jew she wiped her eyes with her hands and looked at me once more what can i do what do you want to do i don't know she answered the frustration mounting in her voice can you help me she was trapped in an impossible situation but now i realized i was too Hannah was trapped by the promise of her father and grandfather, and I, by my own offer to help her, a few days earlier. Yes, I answered confidently, though I was anything but certain of what to do next. I told you I would help you before, and I will. My mind raced to keep up with my mouth as I continued to speak. You can spend the night with us tonight while I try to figure this out. Then I took hold of her hand, led her back into the shop. Papa glanced up at me as we entered, and I could tell by the expression on his face that he was concerned. But before he could say anything, I announced, Papa, I have invited Hannah to spend the night with us. Papa stared at us for a moment and then calmly said, perhaps Hannah should ask her father first. Hannah shook her head. I do not want to do that, she whispered. We'll send William instead, I improvised. It sounded good when I said it, and I turned towards the stairs without looking in Papa's direction all the while hoping he didn't stop me. To my relief, he remained silent as I hurried up to the second floor. With each step, doubt rushed in. What was I doing? This was none of my concern. I barely knew these people. Why did I care what happened to Hannah? I pushed those thoughts aside and did my best to remember where William was right then. Was he in his room, or did Aunt Anna send him to the market already? I couldn't remember. When I reached the kitchen, I came face to face with Mama. "'What are you doing?' she asked me in a tone even more serious than the look she gave me. "'I invited Hannah to spend the night. "'Papa thinks we should ask her father first. "'Have you seen William?' "'She stood with her hands on her hips. "'Why do you need William?' "'To send him to Hannah's father and to tell him that she's spending the night over here. "'You mean to ask if she can spend the night?' "'Mama corrected.' "'Yes, we need to ask me if she can. "'Is William still here or did he go to the market?' Instead of answering my question, Mama took me by the arm and led me to the far side of the room. I do not like this, she said in a low but stern voice. I don't think this is a good idea. Getting involved in something that is obviously family business, someone else's family business. But Mama explained, she's desperate. If we don't help her, she'll run away. She'll be out there on the streets alone. The look on Mama's face turned from anger to worry. Run away? What are you talking about? I raised an eyebrow. That's how serious she is about this. She's not going to marry Tobias. She'll leave home before she does that. Mama looked at me. Have they thrown her out? Did she come here because they threw her out of the house? No. She says they don't even know she's here. She came over here on her own. But she's serious about not going through the marriage. I think she has decided to leave. Well, Mama sighed and her face relaxed. I still don't like being in the middle of this. I know, Mama. I know. But she came to me, and she sought me out. I don't think I should turn her away, would you? No, she admitted reluctantly. I wouldn't. But we will see what her father says. William is upstairs in his room. Tell him to go and find Joseph and ask if it's okay. We'll let that be the choice. If he doesn't object, she can stay. But if he wants her at home, she must leave. She can't stay here. Yes, ma'am, I nodded. If he says no, she'll have to go home. "'From the kitchen I climbed the staircase to the third floor "'where I found William in his room lying across the bed. "'I told him about our predicament "'and asked him to take a note to Joseph Meyer. "'That's all the way on the other side of town,' he complained. "'Mama will never let me go that far alone. "'She sent me to find you and to tell you to go.' "'He pushed himself up from the bed. "'All right,' he groaned. "'But this is going to cost you. "'How much?' "'A mischievous look on over his face. "'Dishes for a week.' Okay, I nodded. I'll do the dishes. Corey will help me without even being asked. It was no big deal. I just wanted him to get moving. Every meal, he continued, whenever it's my turn, you take it. When someone asks me to help, you respond. I smiled. Agreed. For a week. He slipped on his shoes and held out his hand. I gave him a blank stare and he scowled at me. The note. You're going to give me a note to deliver. Oh, I gasped. In my excitement about getting him to go, I have forgotten to write the note. I took a piece of paper from his desk and scribbled a message to Joseph, and then folded it with even, crisp creases and handed it to William. He took it from me and stepped towards the door. As he was about to disappear into the hallway, he paused and looked back at me. This is about Hannah, the girl who was over here the other day. Yes, I replied. You saw her? We saw her as she was leaving, and Anna and I were coming back from the market. She's about your age? No, I replied, more than a little amused at his obvious interest. She's exactly your age, but she's not available right now. That was too much to say, and I felt as if I had betrayed her confidence, even if only in a small way. To cover for it, I shoot him with a wave of my hand. Get going. We need you back before supper. He looked at me with a grin that spread from ear to ear. Don't forget the dishes, he quipped. And then he moved past the door and out of sight. Give that note to Joseph Meyer, I called, no one else. Just make certain you keep up your end of the bargain, he shouted. By then, the sound of his footsteps on the staircase told me he had reached the kitchen. I sat on the bed and listened a moment longer as he continued down to the first floor, rattled open the shop door, and stepped outside. When I was certain he was gone, I rose from bed and made my way downstairs. Hannah was waiting by my desk. She looked over at me as I arrived and gave me a curious look. That was your brother who just left? Yes. From the look on her face, I knew she was as interested in him as he was in her. Because he was my brother, I gave her a hint of encouragement. He's about your age. I thought so. He asked about you. He did? Papa was seated at his desk and just then cleared his throat, a sign to tell me that I should change the subject. Yes, he did, I answered Hannah and then quickly moved on. You know, we never actually had that tea I offered you the other day. Care for some now? "'That would be lovely,' she replied. "'I started up the stairs, and she followed. "'As she did, I returned again to William. "'What was your end of the bargain?' "'I glanced at her over my shoulder. "'My end of the bargain?' "'Yes, your brother said something about it as he was leaving. "'Oh, that,' I said in a dismissive tone. "'Don't worry about that. "'It was nothing. "'It looked like it was something to him. "'He doesn't like to wash dishes,' I explained. "'We take turns each day doing them, "'and he never likes it when it's his turn.' I told him I would wash in his place for the next week if he would take a note to your father. Hannah's countenance looked troubled. I am sorry to trouble you. I shouldn't have even come to... I said, cutting her off before she could finish the sentence. Nonsense. You aren't troubling me at all. Besides, I grinned. I enjoy doing the dishes. Shortly before supper, William returned and reported that everything was set with Hannah's father. He wasn't glad, but he said it was okay. I glanced at Mama and she nodded her approval. A few minutes later, Papa came from the shop and we all sat down to eat around the kitchen table. Later that evening, after the dishes were washed and put away, William and I took turns at the piano. Corey turned the pages for us and the five of us, Hannah, Cory, Noli. Cory and I sang at the top of our voices until the neighbors complained about the noise. After that, we played cards at the kitchen table until Papa sent us all to bed. Hannah and I shared the bed in my room. I lent her a gown for the night, and she slid down beneath the cover as Lois as Corey did when she slept with me. As we lay there, Hannah began to talk. I'm not mad at Father for what he did. I know why he did it. Why was that? His father and Isaac Franken's father were both lace merchants. They competed against each other for business. So Father and Isaac did too. Not in business, but in everything else. Only Isaac always came up on top. Father, it seems, was never quite his equal. You realize this, even as a young child? No, my mother told me. How does she feel about the marriage? What's her opinion? She's against it, but she's a woman. Her voice hasn't much sway with the men, other than father. In public, she makes certain to give the appearance that father's in charge, but at home, out of sight, she's the one who sets the pace. I think it must be that way in every home. Your mother is that way? Yes, I nodded. And you'd never know it by watching them together. Hannah glanced at me. We must learn that trait. Yes, I nodded. We must. She lay there staring up at the ceiling a moment before continuing. So father and Isaac competed against each other in everything. School, business, even the women they married. Always trying to come out ahead of each other. My grandfather liked it that way. The two of them jousting back and forth. But father hated the constant struggle. Then one night when I was still a young girl, grandfather said to father, Joseph, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give Hannah to Tobias as a wife. At first, father objected, but that means Isaac wins everything. No, grandfather replied, it only looks like he wins, but in reality, you win. Isaac is destined to be a rich man. You are not. His children will inherit his wealth, and when you are old, they will use Isaac's money to take care of you. Grandfather thought that was funny and Isaac devoting his entire life to beating father, only to spend his fortune caring for father, at least in one sense, when father was old. She let out a long, loud sigh, but I do not think it is humorous at all. In fact, it was rather painful for me and for father. She looked over at me again, and that's how it happened. True story. So he did it, on a whelm? No, she said with a shake of her head. He had it all planned out, apparently the result of much thought on his part but not a single thought about what I might one day want or what father wanted. So why doesn't your father tell Isaac Franken it's off? Because her voice broke. She swallowed hard and tried again. Father owes Isaac Franken a lot of money, and if he makes Isaac mad, Isaac will take the house we live in and father's business and everything else that he and mother own. She closed her eyes and pulled the cover beneath her chin. Tears rolled down her cheeks and she wiped them on the sheet. But I have decided to help Father out of his dilemma, she continued quietly. I'm going to make the choice for him. When they go to the wedding ceremony, I won't be there. Isaac Franklin can't get mad as he likes, but he'll have no reason to be mad at Father. It won't be Father's idea. It will be mine. And by then, I will be far away. It didn't sound like a workable solution to her problem, but I didn't argue with her. Getting her to see that Isaac Franklin could think it was her father's trick did nothing to move us towards the answer she needed. So I asked the next logical question. Where will you go? I don't know. Her eyes opened and she cut them in my direction. Have you any suggestions? Yes. Her eyes opened wider and she turned on her side to face me. What do you suggest? I have cousins who might be able to help. Where do they live? It's just that, I grimaced. They live in Amsterdam. Oh, she groaned. Tobias lives in Amsterdam. I know. My cousins live in the Jewish quarter. Does Tobias live there? "'Oh, my, no,' she said with a mock disdain and a playful roll of her eyes. "'He only goes to the quarters when it's absolutely necessary. "'The Frankens live on the east edge of the city, "'all the way to the opposite side from here.' "'Then a questioning look over her. "'Are your cousins Jewish?' "'No, but they know almost everybody in Amsterdam who is, "'and almost everyone there knows them. "'Do you think they can help me?' "'I think if anyone can, they can. "'Father will not listen to them.' and Isaac Franklin won't either. He does business with anyone, but he thinks non-Jews are genuinely untouchable. I'll give you their address tomorrow. In spite of what Hannah said, I was certain this was the right thing to do. If you go there, tell them I sent you and ask if you could spend the night. They will let you stay with them, and if you tell them your problem, they will do their best to help you. We talked for a while longer, but it was late and conversation lagged. After a few minutes, I noticed Hannah's eyes were closed, and her breathing took an easy rhythm of sleep. I lay there a little longer, just to make certain. Before long, I heard the clock on the shelf downstairs by the shop window strike the hour. It was eleven o'clock, and even with all that ringing, Hannah didn't budge, so I was convinced she was really asleep. Carefully, I rolled aside the covers and crawled from the bed and opened the top drawer of my dresser. A pouch lay there in the back corner. I lifted it out and tugged on the golden drawstrings that held it closed. With my fingers, I reached inside the sack and took out twenty guilders. I collected the money from gifts I received over the past year, and from the salary Papa paid me for working in the shop. It wasn't much, but it was enough to purchase train fare to almost any city in the country with a little left over for a bite to eat along the way. I'd come by it through considerable effort, and the thought of giving it away raised a moment of doubt in my mind. But I pushed against that doubt. Hannah needed the money far more than I did, and besides, I would have more next week when Papa paid me. I placed the money on the dresser top and found a piece of paper from the bookshelf by the door. Standing near the window, in the light of the moon and the glow of a street lamp on the corner, I scribbled down Garrett's and Marguerite's address and then put the paper on the dresser with the gilders and returned to bed. Next week will be Chapter 10, and we'll find out more of what happens. Now, I want you to remember that this is a historical novel. So there have been many times of embellishment being done, uh, things that maybe didn't really happen. In this situation, I was uncomfortable with them talking about the the young girl's mother being the one who ran her husband. I just think that this is not, I believe that this is not an honor to God. God has asked us as wives and mothers to be accountable to our husband. He's the husband, he's the father, he's the head of that home. And he is accountable to God. And we as godly women should be praying for our husbands, for godly wisdom and godly discernment. And and, and expect and know that the Lord will work through our husbands what is best for the family. Now I know different situations and this situation is an odd situation. So, uh, again, I just, again, I feel like that, that Father Tenboom would not have responded in this way. I think the, the thing that he would have done immediately is to go to the Lord in prayer about it and ask for God's direction. And I feel that Betsy Tenboom would have done the same thing as well. Uh, I do not think they would be sneaking around and and helping her to uh, escape uh, and paying the way. I just don't feel that, that I see that in the character of Father Ten Boom or Betsy Ten Boom. Now, I will say that during World War II, when they were hiding the Jews in their homes, this was a matter of life and death. And uh, they were before the Lord in that. Next week, we'll find out what happens in Chapter 10. I love you. I'm praying for you. And bye-bye for now.